Hello and welcome to the all new Metal Hammer podcast. We're on the air, guys. We did it. We made Yay. it again. We did it. We almost chucked on his tea there. It's got off to a good start. Sorry, I was not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening in. This is the first in a brand new era of the Metal Hammer podcast. We'll be bringing you all the best news, exclusive interviews, gossip, chat, the big issues that matter to you in the world of metal today. Uh, we're all still pretty much recovering from uh, Architects at uh, uh, Alexandra Palace a few days ago, aren't we? That was, that was a nice little gig. It was a nice little gig. <laughs> to put it mildly. To put it mildly. Oh, no, it's fucking brilliant. I mean, it? it's Wednesday now and we still haven't stopped talking about it since Saturday night, which is like four or five days ago. So. It yeah. was unbelievably intense, I thought. Yeah, it was intense. I think we all kind of, uh, we briefly saw each other after the gig and it was kind of like a lot of the time, uh, you know, when you get a big important gig like that, big gig for British metal, while she seems obviously on the bill as well everyone kind of wants to party and just go mental and it kind of felt like when everyone first bumped into each other after the gig there was just this kind of collective like <sighs> yeah it was... it was it was amazing but it was it was fucking heavy and I mean that in an emotional sense obviously yeah it was very it was an emotional gig for you obviously many reasons but yeah fucking hell I, I don't think that I looked around and everyone was just hugging each other and like weeping and oh. it was just very very nice place to be even though it's got a sad moment if you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. but I oh, know but and they fucking killed it as well like, it was amazing I honestly don't know how they got through Doomsday and Gone with the Wind it was just so intense having the tributes to Tom and the speeches and like you said everyone in the crowd was reacting to it um, I don't know how they found the strength to do it but I'm really glad they did because it was one of the most intense and amazing shows I've ever seen in the UK it was amazing wasn't it and it's just I mean I, I kind of feel like the, the hyperbole around it has just kind of been out there for months now because it, it, it's not just the fact it was architects after all they've been through and they're kind of young British bands or, or youngish British bands you know, headlining a venue like that but having sleeps on the bill as well kind of arguably the kind of the next band in line that everyone really wants to see step up into that kind of uh, that important role for the scene I can't remember the last time there was a gig that felt like it mattered so much on so many levels yeah. and I think it delivered. I really do. I don't even think the sound was particularly bad, which is quite a big... No, that's Ali good for Ali Party. really surprised. It can be quite cavernous sometimes in there, can't it? Loz was flying around that stage as well. Yeah, literally, she was literally flying. should have mentioned Sleeps as well. They, I mean, they fucking looked like they belonged on that stage. And yeah, so they, the shout-along during Silence Speaks for that line was just unbelievable. Yeah, I lost my voice during that. But even when they opened on URW, when everyone just went, Yo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so, so good. It was, it was, good. It was annoying they only had 40 minutes. Yeah. But they, really, they, 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 could ease, they could come back and do that set again. I really, really hope that like that cycle for sleeps, um, and you know, ultimately this gig wasn't about them, but I really no. hope that this cycle for sleeps and that show um, on Saturday night really kind of firmly has them back on track to where they should be. Because as far as I'm concerned, probably architects only aside they are the best thing to happen to heavy British music in the last decade and I just think you know to see them both together at that gig um, special specific shout out to Sam Carter as well because that speech he gave at the end about standing up to to racism and misogyny and you know standing up on a political sense and a moral sense was just so inspiring to me and I really think he's a a person that's going to inspire people and I just think yeah I haven't got a single bad word to say about that gig He's got a voice and he's using it, which more people need to do. Exactly. Kind of wait to see what comes next from them. Uh, what else is going on in the world of metal this week? Got new priest music. Again. Yes, finally. What are we saying about firepower? Well, it's obviously great. It's priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like, priest have come back with three albums since Rob came back in the early 2000s now. 
I don't know. They could, like they've done some good stuff in that time. Judas Rising is a great track, and the title track of Nostradamus is, is a great track. And, yeah. But we kind of Priest are one of those bands where you kind of go, yeah, it's Priest. But to me, since they come back, they have been Priest, and that's been what they've been doing, and everyone's happy to have them back every each time and hooray. But I feel like there's something a bit different about these songs. They feel more urgent to me. The production on them feels like a little bit better. Um, Andy Sneed doing his, his famous job as always. I don't know. I think we could be sitting on something a little bit special from British metals, metal gods. Yeah, generally speaking, when you go see a heritage band, you know, like Priest, like, yeah, the past few times I've seen them, you go watch them and it's like, oh, they're doing the new one now. That, that's, mm. that's a shame. Do, you know, do painkiller. But then... But these ones sound like like no, actually these sound wicked. Yeah. I want to I want to see them live. The reaction to Lightning Strike was properly like huge. Everyone was yeah. genuinely excited about it. Even people I know that haven't really had much to say about Priest in recent years were all over it. And I think uh, I think that uh, other new chart was fucking massive as well. And um, yeah, excited for the album. I got a feeling that Sneak might have done them done for Priest what he did with Megadeth and Endgame. I'm excited about it. I don't think anyone was expecting it. Which I think is why you say oh, everyone was talking about it. It was no one was expecting Priest to be good. Not that we were expecting them to be good. Priest obviously oh, good. I think the last couple with Richie on them have been really good. Like I think he's really like just brought something else to the songwriting. Just I don't know. It's more exciting. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, know, I do know that uh, Dom has heard the album. Dom Lawson, the team that have a writer, and uh, he is he's he's excited about it. Let's put it that way. So watch out for. Uh, <laughs> A very special extended review of that in Dom a future... Dom likes pre-shot. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, in a future issue of Metal Hammer magazine, we'll have the full review coming up for you in uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, what else is going on? Perfect Circle. New music. Up L Street. Bit of L, that is. What, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, They're literally one of my favourite bands in the entire world. Have they released world. a new track? Yes, yes. They've had three out now, I think. Oh, OK. Cool. Um, what, are you, what are you saying about them so far? Oh, I oh, want no. to love it. I want to love it so much. But they're all pretty quiet. And I don't know whether it's going to be something that grows on me or not. And I want to like them so badly. Um, but Men and Norman, 13th Step, I thought were incredible albums. Just they just had something in them that was just kind of... I shouldn't talk too much about it because I got too enthusiastic. But they just had something <laughs> in them that was really exciting and like visceral and primal and like human and emotional and riffs and highs <laughs> and lows <laughs> and dynamics and just oh amazing but the new songs yeah I just feel they're kind of um, they're just pretty they're more of the chilled out side of things and I don't know whether it's because Maynard has done uh, obviously other projects since he's done Pussifer and I think his range wine. is a bit different now wine. wine oh he loves the wine <laughs> <laughs> I think his range is a bit different now I think he sings like lower than he used to not so high not so intense so I don't know I am not sure at the moment. Jury's out. Yeah. Jury's I out. want Fair to love enough. it, but it's going to take me a while. Might be ones where we have to see how they fit into the overall uh, album. Um, yeah. Knowing how I've got no doubt that you'll find a way to listen to it a million times over. And then I will. Ozzy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, says he's not retiring. <laughs> yeah, if, in, if in case you're, uh, you're losing track. Ozzy's not understand. retiring. He's just doing no more tours. I yeah. mean, I think... Uh, having seen Sabbath a few times on, um, you know, their, their reunion slash what became their farewell tour, uh, and having seen Ozzy out in Chicago at Chicago Open Air um, last year as well, I think Ozzy does still have the capacity to put on a good show. Like yeah. I've seen him be decent in the last five years, like certainly good enough to warrant wanting to go see him again. Um, 
And to me, that says if he's going to kind of tone down the full-time touring and just do the occasional one-off shows, I think that's probably a good thing, isn't it? Because I'd rather have Ozzy on form once a year for the next few years than just having endlessly grinding out all right shows to shit shows yeah. for the rest of the time. Well, I say he says he's doing no more tours after this <laughs> massive world tour that, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. he's doing. No more tours too. Yeah, no more tours too. He's calling the first it. One in the yeah, night, he's announced dates in America with Stone Sour, which will be a decent night out. But like you say, I saw Sabbath at Downloads when they headlined, and I thought Ozzy was shocking. I saw Sabbath at the O2 a few months later, and I thought he was good, like yeah. better than he'd been in a long time. He was really decent. Um, in fact, last year, I'd actually say, was the best I've seen him on a solo run. He was really good, like straight, almost suspiciously good. But he was definitely singing live, um, but you could see people looking around in the crowd and kind of going, oh, like, he's really hitting this. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Witchcraft. yeah, bring it on. I'm assuming there'll be a new album, but we haven't heard anything about that yet, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, ACDC's biographer, who I assume has some insider knowledge, I, I assume. I assume you assume. <laughs> uh, says that Axl Rose is going to continue with the band, and there's rumours that he might actually record an album with them. Do we want an, mm. an, an, an Axl fronted? I never actually, do you, you see him with ACDC? I no. never saw them. Fraser, Classy oh. Rocks, online editor saw them in Lisbon and said it was brilliant. I mean, I've saw, we all saw Guns N' Roses uh, with Axel yeah. on yeah, and his life last gig year. Of the year and that was yeah that was at, that was just one of the best staying gigs I've ever seen I don't know it's up to Angus isn't it really if uh, Angus is cool with it you know his brother's passed away recently he's had everything yeah. that happened with Brian like I don't think anyone's in a position to tell Angus Young what to do with ACDC no so, I think that's what people need to understand that you know ACDC is basically just Angus now and he can do what he wants with his band but at the same time um, if there's a Jerry Ewing editor of Prog, Ma- Prog Magazine wrote big a, up Jerry. a big up Jerry wrote a piece for Hammer yesterday uh, about this and how he doesn't want an Axel uh, ACDC album but he also said that he's heard a rumour that Brian's back in the band did he? yeah is that on the record? that is, that is what Jerry wrote in the piece oh, okay. for Hammer wow he's not revealed his source but that's he, interesting because Brian's a, gone on record uh, this week or the last couple of weeks kind of specifically saying oh I had a good run but that was that I have no idea Nice. Interesting. It's all gossip at the minute. No one knows anything. About what I will say I'd is rather have Brian. there is not a man alive who is more reliable with when it comes to talking about ACDC than Jerry Ewing. So I trust that man's opinion. And well, we'll see what happens with the inside info. That's the first I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I see. He knows his shit. Let's put it that way. Right, there is a new issue of Metal Hammer magazine out on the shelves right now. We are celebrating the women that are defining the metal scene in 2018. We've teamed up with Prog and Classic Rock magazine and Team Rock Online uh, to launch She Rocks, which is a a really cool campaign that's going to be going across the month, looking at women across the rock scene, looking at women in the industry, the issues that are affecting them. One of the big pieces that we have in the magazine is a piece on sexism in the metal scene today. Is there still a problem with sexism? Why are so many women still seemingly finding it hard to break through into the industry, into bands, uh, in front of the stage, behind the stage, on stage? We talk to a ton of people from around the scene, um, a lot of different opinions in there. Um, so I guess this is something we should definitely talk about. I mean, it's something that, Al, you and I have talked about quite a lot over, yeah. the, over the years. We've worked together. Uh, I can say my eyes have been opened a lot as, as a bloke in the industry to uh, some of the shit that goes on. Um, just, I mean, obviously, in a post-Weinstein world, there's the kind of really horrible stuff that's kind of uh, putting a cloud over Hollywood and over the music scene as well. But even in just the kind of day-to-day stuff, it's been a real eye-opener. So, I mean, I guess from your point of view, what, what are kind of the main issues um, facing our scene at the moment, both in terms of the music itself and, and kind of around the industry? I think it's really important to recognise that 
sexism can be a problem across the board. So obviously we're looking specifically at music, but I think it does kind of reflect like the wider society and the problems that are going on there. I think if you look in the piece as well, you'll see that everyone acknowledges that, you know, even the people who say, oh, I don't really have a problem with it because I just ignore it. They're still saying that there is a problem with it. And I think it can just be in quite small things. It could be anything from somebody just kind of making a casual remark about what you're wearing or what you've said or just talking to a man rather than talking to you, even if you're in similar jobs, to kind of the Weinstein level stuff, which is not good, really. Luckily, no one I spoke to had had that kind of horrendous experience. But as we know, a lot of people don't really want to talk about that stuff and, you know, because it's very personal to them. So inevitably, there probably will be stuff that comes out about the music industry, like the film industry, that people kind of aren't really talking about at the moment or only talking about to close groups of friends. So I think, unfortunately, it does exist just like it exists in the rest of the world. But, um, you know, that's something that we should be talking about. And luckily everyone was very hopeful in the piece as well that we can kind of move forward and there's lots mm. of stuff being put in place to kind of help women get into the scene. I mean, it was interesting to see um, one of the people we talked to was Vicky Hungerford, who's one of the bookers at um, Bloodstock who, do, who have, you know, had, uh, I suppose, one of the big issues that gets discussed a lot is the fact that we just don't see much female representation at festivals and, they, you know, yeah. that famous kind of thing that happens now where a festival bill will come out, the, the lineup will be announced and someone will basically take off all the male-fronted bands on there and just leave yeah. bands on there with women in and it looks pretty sparse. Um, Bloodstock, of course, have had the likes of Nightwish and Within Temptation uh, headline the festival. Nightwish back headlining again this year, of course. Um, and Vicky had some interesting things to say about it. She said, uh, this is what she said in the piece that, um, that um, Elle wrote, she said, if people keep banging on about is there sexism, it's creating a problem. It's like if you tell yourself you've got small boobs or a fat stomach, you can start being dysmorphic and believing that's the case because you're drumming it into yourself. Maybe we should be positive and just say there's not a problem. I mean, how, how, what's your response to that? Because it's an interesting point. Like, are we, are we kind of adding to the problem by kind of throwing our hands up in the air and going, there's sexism in the industry, doing things like we've done with Hammer, where we're kind of putting women to the front of the magazine? I mean, are we kind of creating the problem in talking about it in the first place? I don't think we are creating the problem by talking about it. I think Julie Weir, actually, you mentioned, who works at Music for Nations, she had a really good point. She said there is sexism, but she's worried but by the volume of people talking about it, it might put women off going into the industry. I think that is a valid concern. So I would say to anybody who wants to go into the industry, whether behind the scenes or in a band, don't let sexism put you off. You know, you can handle it. There are There is change happening. It happens across the industry, unfortunately, across the world, unfortunately. But don't let it put you off, you know. it's you. There are ways around it and you can succeed in spite of it. I think that's a really important message because I think you don't want to get people in a position where they're worried to do something. That's not what we want. But in terms of Vicky's comments about um, ignoring it, I don't think that's quite the right thing to do. She just talked about an experience she had, which is pretty horrendous, where a stagehand actually asked her husband if he could have a blowjob from that woman over there. And that woman over there turned out to be Vicky. And she went and she dealt with it. She told him, you know, she just walked up to him and said, I'm the promoter of the festival, you know, and introduced herself. And he was obviously very, you know, shamefaced about that happening. So I think where you are able to do that and have the confidence, you know, you should be calling it out. I think equally people make points in the piece that not everyone has the confidence or the ability to do it, you know, because you might be in a position of less power than the person who's doing it, you Mm -hmm. might be worried about your job, you might be worried about people talking about you, so I think in those kinds of cases, you know, it's good to kind of share your experiences with people and hopefully you can get some help from 
other places. So I think we should be calling it out all the time and calling attention to it no matter what happens. But again, I think it's very important to remember that there are people who can help if you have a bad experience with sexism. You know, there are allies or other people who want to support you and don't be put off going into the industry because there's plenty of women who work in the industry and are incredibly successful and having a great time doing it, which is what it's all about. Uh, also in the feature you did, there's, a, there's an interesting statistic that says um, a survey published by the UK Music Diversity Task Force last January showed that between the ages of 25 to 34, women account for 54% of the workforce, but only 33% between ages 45 to 64. So, um, I mean, to you, what, what does that suggest? Is that maybe saying that... Um, it's, it's getting better or are more women kind of leaving the industry after a certain point or I mean uh, what do you see around you do you feel that there's a there's kind of a, a more positive change happening at the moment in the industry yeah I definitely think there's positive change happening and those are really encouraging statistics when you look at it that there's more younger women coming into the industry speaking to Vicky as well at Bloodstock she said that you know she works alongside her sister there and a lot of the backstage crew are women um, you know, so there's a, definitely a lot of representation around. I think the problem is in those higher positions. So, again, in the piece, a couple of people we spoke to mentioned women having children and dropping out of the workforce because of that. Obviously, that's a problem in all areas of industry. And also, unfortunately, there is some discrimination sometimes in women getting to those higher positions, which then means, of course, that you have a lot of male bosses, a lot of men setting the agenda, and then it can be a little bit more difficult, again, for women to move up or get their voices heard. So I think change is happening, but it's the same as across the rest of the world, really. We kind of just need a little bit more, maybe even some positive discrimination to get people up into those higher positions and to get more female representation. It's an interesting point about um, positive discrimination, isn't it? Because whether it's women or people of colour or, you know, whatever it is, the, the, the idea of positive discrimination is often kind of thrown out there as a real negative. Like, oh, it, you know, that person's just getting that job because of positive discrimination and yeah. whatever. And there's a weird kind of underlying thought that if you kind of bring in positive discrimination, it's going to automatically mean that if a woman got that job, she only got it because of positive discrimination. She didn't get it because, you know, she might have actually had the right tools and the right qualifications and the right experience to do it. Um, so you, you, you stand what you think that could actually be an important thing to bring in I think it's just weighing it up really I think it's maybe if it's not going full on positive discrimination it's being mindful of the challenges that women face yeah. so if you have got a woman in the running for a position um, and they have taken time out to have children that you still look at what they're doing you still consider them as a candidate or you know if women need flexible working hours because of childcare duties that that's looked at as well or, you know, like we just talked about, if women are worried about getting into the industry, that there's people out there saying, I've done it, you can do it too, don't be scared of doing that. I think it's just being really aware that women might face different challenges to men and being aware of what we can do to improve that situation, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, the, in this new issue, uh, you actually uh, work with Bryony, who, uh, who is editor of TeamRock.com, to put yeah. together a, um, a piece on some of the initiatives trying to do more to bring women into the industry. Yeah, definitely. And the stuff that I wish was around when I was growing up, you know. There's You're some still stuff... growing up, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just pretend. We're all still children, really. Uh, there's some really good stuff there. If you're getting into a band, there's places you can go and play, meet other women and be supported. If you're getting into the industry, you know, there's things you can look at there, there's certain schemes. I think, yeah, there's just... It's good there's dialogue happening and it's good that people are talking about it and it's good that people are recognising it might be a bit more difficult and so, you know, let's do what we can to help people get out there and, you know, just give people the confidence, give people a bit of a boost and go, you can do this too, don't be put off by X, Y and Z. I think anything that helps 
towards doing that is a good thing. And a lot of those things men can get involved with too. As well, I was just going to say, because obviously, uh, you know, a big part of this is that men, of course, have to do their part as well, you know. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to kind of us schmucks, <laughs> um, what do, you know, what, what, what do you think men could be doing a bit more of? And I, I'm talking almost just kind of the day-to-day stuff, stuff we just kind of talk about all the time, really. Yeah, well, in uh, day-to-day stuff, I think... Again, it's been talked about elsewhere, but just listening to women, um, you know, giving them time to talk, raise ideas in meetings, that kind of thing. I think in Bryony's piece as well, she was talking to a guy from the Association of Independent Festivals and they were talking about safety at festivals and putting in a scheme that runs across, you know, quite a few different festivals, a chart they sign up to for how to make things safer. And also, Safe Gigs for Women, I think they're doing quite a lot as well. So, you know, if you're a guy and you see something at a show or at a festival call it out if you can and sort of check that the people involved are doing okay so yeah there's a lot a lot we can be doing cool well you can read a lot more about that um, along with some amazing interviews with the likes of Nightwish Lacuna Coil uh, Arch Enemy Venom Prison Black Moth many many more all in the new issue of Hammer out right now go pick it up it's a hell of a read Luke you've been quiet what have you been up to <laughs> I, I didn't want to intrude uh, uh, I've, I've, I've been talking to um, the party king Andrew WK, uh, excellent. Ahead of his uh, new album, "You're Not Alone." What are we thinking about those tracks that are out there so far? It's so good. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I love him. <laughs> heavy metal musicals, like it's it's massive. I'm I'm fully in on it. I was when he got announced that he was doing a new album. I you think know, everyone had the same thoughts, like, "Oh, it's another album about partying." Yeah, here we go. But it's so uplifting and so joyous. I love it. Like, it doesn't. Every song sort of sounds the same, but in a good way. Yeah, you it, know what you're getting with Andy WK. Like, yeah. it's not going to be. Doing I actually like think he's written better songs than Party Hard ever again. That is the best song. It's you just, mean these songs are better than Party Hard? On a level with. Oh, <laughs> big, big call. Party ever Hard's again, like top tier club banger. Ever again, literally makes me throw my arms up in the air. I've literally been doing that when I listen to it. It's great. Awesome, cool. And uh, what did you talk to him about? Uh, life, the universe, and everything. We sort of had quite a really intense, deep chat about destiny and higher powers and that what partying means now and how it's changed over time and where he is in his life and everything else. And there's a clip coming up right now uh, <laughs> uh, of, uh, from that interview. Smooth segue, boys. Smooth. <laughs> um, yeah, sort of basically, I asked him whether he does believe in a higher power or a god. Uh, of some description and uh, what he has to say about it. Awesome, let's hear that right now. This is Luke Moore interviewing the main man, Andrew WK. Throughout the album, there's an almost, I guess, a spiritual feeling about the power of partying and staying true to yourself. Do you believe in any sort of higher power? Well, absolutely. And I can say that meaning it for exactly what it is, as in absolutely. There's an absolute truth I don't know what it is. I don't know that I ever have any ability to. But I, it, it goes beyond belief. It, 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 it doesn't seem... I don't see how anything could exist unless there was something that, that made it exist. I don't know that you could ever describe that thing, whatever it is. Um, even music, you know, there, and there's all kinds of ways to imagine what that thing could be like. For example, I didn't invent music. I didn't. No one did. This, it's a phenomenon that emerged out of something. It's bigger than any one person. It's better than any one person thing that any one person could make, and yet we're all able to engage with it 
And in a way, it seems like it's coming out of us and coming from someplace far beyond us. So maybe that's an illustration of that. It's, music's a higher power. Uh, that's, that's something I'm, I'm very interested in doubt and questioning and confusion and, and the benefits of that. But there's also a time for, for acceptance and a kind of humility. Um, and, and, and I've made that decision to accept the reality of, of an absolute fact of, of, of the world or of, of, of all things. And whether you call it a higher power, whether you call it spirit, whether you call it God or, or truth with a capital T, I think I have to, to accept that it exists or I'm sort of fighting a losing battle for no reason. So listening to you speak the other day as well, the topic of destiny came up again and again, which you also seem a big believer in. Do you think that what's happened over the past, well, your entire career has all led to this and it's all happened for particular reasons? Well, yeah, because that's the fun way to think about it, right? That's the mo- for me, it's the mo- even if things go bad, it's still fun to think about it that way because it helps to alleviate some of the what might otherwise seem like meaningless suffering. If you can put everything into the context of meaning, it, 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 it feels good. It, it feels better. It gives structure, right? It, it takes away the total freedom of pure chaos and disorganization and disorder that everything's happening for no reason in particular, uh, it's too much freedom. It's too much possibility. So our mind and heart, I'd say even more than our mind, it seems to want, seems to crave a level of purpose that, again, might not ever be under... As, the mind wants to understand, I think, in a very rational way, but the heart wants a sense of meaning that can be completely irrational, because destiny, excuse me, destiny often does seem to be quite irrational. If the mind was in charge, you wouldn't, it wouldn't let destiny take over, and it would question every single urge and every impulse and every instinct and every intuition right out of being followed or listened to at all. Uh, it wants to be in control. Really, the heart should be in control, or the, the spirit should be in control, and the mind is there to do the bidding of that. But the heart is very delicate and very gentle, so it doesn't like to assert itself. It's just there waiting for you to have the wherewithal and really the courage to tell your mind to just shut up for just a few seconds and let me listen to what I'm supposed to do here, and then you can go back to work or, or distract yourself with the, all your games and, 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 you know, and, and petty criticisms and nonsense and judgments. You want to be able to, to, to... That can still go on, all that noise, and there's some good stuff in there too, but you don't want it to drown out uh, that... that beautiful, quiet little voice, you know. That was Luke Morton talking to Andrew WK, the party king himself. Uh, Elle, you also spoke to Andrew out in Chicago recently, didn't you? Yeah, super interesting. Very interesting. Kind of a different vibe to what you just heard with Luke, so look out for that in a future issue of Metal Hammer. We asked the good people of the Metal Hammer Readers Group on Facebook to send us some questions. What have they been asking us? Well, James Rainsley asks, what is your favourite UK slash London venue? Is he throwing shade there? I guess <laughs> he, know, he knows we're London media wankers. <laughs> yeah, What's your favourite UK... All right, London venue. Yeah, you never leave London, do you, you scum? <laughs> Shit. 
Well, my favourite venue in London is probably the first. I mean, it's not really like very grassroots, but I fucking do love the Roundhouse. That's what I was about to say. Mm-hmm. I okay, love the Roundhouse. That always looks good, sounds good. I've never seen a bad gig there. I've seen everyone from Parkway Drive and Machine Head to Dead Mouse in that venue, and it's always been amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 as you say, it's so hard to find a venue in London where you can AC wherever you stand, and it also sounds good wherever you stand. Yeah. And yeah, the Roundhouse is wicked I mean in terms of the smaller venues out there um, obviously the Black Heart guys always putting on great kind yeah. of smaller gigs they've got Conjurer coming up there soon which should be fucking amazing I think Black Moth might be playing there soon as well uh, the Dome as well and the Boston Music yeah the Dome's those, really those, good those are really kind of come on as kind of uh, a real heart of the scene I think um Oh, what, 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 as, as, oh no, you're Northern as well. No, no, that's no, a no, fucking Northern I was going to say my favourite venue in the UK is probably Rock City. Oh, yeah, Rock City. Yeah, that's a classic. Like a classic. Yeah. Absolute heartland. That was my, yeah, my teenage years were spent there watching everyone like that came through at Alexis on Fire, Murder Dolls. Oh, you and fucking Murder my, Dolls. My, I, I had to see Ale Storm there. Oh, Come God. on. <laughs> first, first, show I ever, Come on. first show I ever reviewed was, was Ale Storm for a website. Yeah, but, um, I spent really... many years going to a corporation in Sheffield, or Corp. I've never been to a corporation, say. actually. I just called it Corp. Good. They had interesting drinks <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean corporation does not sound creepy corporation special brew oh good okay. and they used to have this one called skittle brew which is non-alcoholic but it was like loads Isn't that of, something from the simpsons it was like loads of skittles had been pressed in a trouser press into this weird liquid it was really weird kind of give you a high it sounds absolutely disgusting, but <laughs> shout out them for uh, for, for it. I guess yeah. I don't know. Uh, I grew up uh, in Manchester, and some of the venues I live there have closed. Sadly, the Roadhouse was amazing. Yeah, you saw say about the Roadhouse. Uh, saw some amazing gigs there. I'm trying to think who I remember seeing like Hell is for Heroes there back in the day. Does Satan Hall, Satan Hollow do gigs? Yeah. So oh yeah. So that's fucking. I wild love Satan Hollow. I went awesome to more kind of club nights there. I'm yeah, not sure yeah, if yeah. they did the I've night. not been to a gig there, but I, yeah, time. I don't think I went to a gig growing up there. Um, Rock World was the one, although they very rarely had gigs. They had smaller gigs in there. That's sadly closed. I see. Um, but then Cat the- House up in Glasgow is another good one as well. Yeah, Cat House. That's really yeah. uh, Tim Roughedge asks, we constantly hear a narrative that the internet has killed the record industry for artist survival. If you had a choice, would you go back to the days of just having record shops and no internet? And even if we did have it back then was it really better for most bands back then I mean you probably have to ask the bands which they would prefer I think it kind of depends at the level they're at most bands at a certain level would probably tell you they'd be making a lot more money in 1995 um, yeah. you know uh, but at the same time a lot of bands are embracing the fact that they can now spread their music further out there so uh, as far as we go I mean I love the internet I'm on it a lot um, <laughs> like big fan of the internet I started at, at Hammer at, at, as online editor and Luke does a much superior job than me uh, doing that now so it's kind of given us kind of our careers yeah. um, that said it's full of wank in it the internet's full of shit a lot of the time but I, I love going to record stores but at the same time growing up I did not love paying 15 quid for a CD I used to read Hammer and I'd be like oh this is an interesting Still read band Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> when I was reading Hammer when I was younger and I didn't read it every day right. while I was working on good, it good, good. I would you know read about bands or some of the heritage if you call it that heritage acts older bands and I'd be like, oh, this is interesting. Would not be able to hear them because, you know, like Luke said, you had kind of one chance to spend your 15 quid a month yeah. and you better spend it on something good. And you didn't get to hear anything else. So from that point of view, 
internet is good. Yeah. But true. from a money point of view, internet is kind of screwing yeah. people over. So, yeah. you know. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. We could probably go into a bit deeper about the kind of real darker shit about the internet. But yeah, just on a kind of uh, uh, a real fundamental music level. I don't know. I, I, I mean... I certainly am listening to more new music now than I ever was, Definitely. even when I first started out. So, yeah, websites like Bandcamp, you can just fall down a hole and you know, discover an entire new subgenre you never knew existed, which yeah, you couldn't exactly. do in the days of just, oh, I've got an HMV in my town and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Right, what else is going on? And the, and the lovely people, people, what did I just say? The lovely people of the Metal Hammer Facebook group, God, nearly got there without fucking up. <laughs> Chris Miles asks, out of the current crop of UK rock metal bands coming through, who do you think is best boys to become festival headliners slash breakouts? Well, we saw one of them on Saturday night. Yeah. For sure. We saw two of them. Two of them, yeah, yeah, exactly. Architects, absolutely. Um, I think the special thing about Architects is because they looked like they really fucked it on the here and now. Yeah. Um, when they were kind of playing to half-sold venues and stuff back in 2000, you know, I want to say 10 or 11. For them to be back on it now to be headlining to 10,000 people at the end of an album cycle as well when people have seen him a few yeah, times yeah like 18 months after the album came out yeah like pretty fucking awesome I'd love for, I mean in ter- if it's it's on basis of quality While She Sleeps should be headlining download one day to so see if, if it's simply a, ter- a, a fact of how good a band is um, curious to see what Bring Me are going to do on the next record yeah of course yeah, yeah. didn't even think about them actually because they've been around for a while now but yeah Bring Me they're are they going to go heavier again there. or they're going to go poppier again who knows I think it's weird because about five or six years ago well probably up to and including Simple Turner let's say we all could have we all probably would have been like Bring Me are the band that are going to headline yeah. down there one day but where you look at where that last album cycle took them I don't know would they headline down there now or was it was more it? Reading and Leeds yeah, wasn't Reading it Leeds, you know yeah. But they're the band everyone looked at, yeah, like I say, when that's the came out. It was almost a surprise they didn't get announced as any festival. When mm. it was like, they're oh. sub-headline, right? They're running in Leeds. They did, yeah, to Metallica, yeah. yeah. But then, then so like, everyone sort of looked at Download and went, okay, they're obviously going to do Download then. And then they just sort of, they've disappeared for, like, like you say, the past year and a half, bring me out anywhere to be seen. But when you talk about festival headlines, I think it's interesting. You can look at Bloodstock and see bands like, like Venom Prison and Conjure coming through in three albums time they could be way up that there that would be fucking amazing crazy. oh god <laughs> Venom Prison headline festival goodness me Obscene. imagine uh, James Southard asks now Slayer have called it a day which metal band needs to follow suit so oh, <laughs> which metal band should retire yeah <laughs> which one needs to follow suit fucking hell I mean to be honest I kind of feel like bands are starting to take their own initiative now I mean Slayer are calling it a day but I'm sure we'll see them on the road for at least two or three more years yeah Sabbath I think went out at the right time they went out on a good album and some solid shows that's what we want to see I'm certainly not ready for Maiden or Metallica to call it a day no. yet not interested can you um, imagine if Maiden does what are you going to do with your life just cry let's <laughs> <laughs> not think about that they're fine um, yeah Metallica just put out a great new album well you know 18 months ago uh, I can't think of anyone that I saw recently that I just think yeah. oh actually I've got I'm really sad to say this it just popped into my head but um, the last time I saw, I saw Kiss was pretty woeful and I kind of feel like they should be a band that should think Ooh. about winding down now. when was the last time you saw Kiss? Uh, it was um, same as I mentioned Ozzy earlier Chicago Open Air last uh, okay. year Paul Stanley is always my favourite member of Kiss. He's the fucking man. He's the hero and heart and soul of that band, but he is just not hitting those notes anymore. And I kind of feel like they could probably get by with everyone being pissed up at a festival set, I guess, because everyone's just singing over it. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm I, not, like I, I won't be wanting to see Kiss again. Not I felt like that a few time. years back. When did they play Download? It was a really long time ago, like maybe eight years ago or something. Uh, well, they played it ten years ago and they played it again about three or four years ago, I want to say. Or maybe more mm. recently than that. I'm thinking of sort of late 2000s, maybe. 2008. The one where they have the configuration of the festival differently in the circuit. Oh, 2008. But yeah, I saw that and I was just... I thought they were good that night. No, I just thought they oh, were no quite way. like wooden and oh, was not really great. into it. Wow. Maybe I was in the wrong headspace. No, no, no. And I'm a fucking dictator. But I just... That's how you feel. I wasn't blown away. Which is a shame because I say legendary and I wanted to like it. So, sorry. Well, I saw Kiss for the first <laughs> time last year at the O2. Okay, so what did you think? I thought... I, put, I was like so excited for it. And I was like, okay, the show, the show. It's all about the show. It's going to be amazing. And yeah, Paul Stanley's voice was just shot. Like yeah. he, it was, it was sucked so oh, much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he talked in his singing voice as well, I didn't realise. Oh man, that's one of the so best weird. things about Kiss. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> fucking love that dude. But the, 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 he was watching it, and he's sort of like, okay, everything's exploding. It's amazing. But then, yeah, he just, oh, it, it's, it was so hard just li- like listening to him. But yeah, if, if Kiss decides to just call it a day, I don't think anyone would be judging them for it right, I don't know have you seen those fans in America yeah um, <laughs> right we've got time for one more absolute killer of a question uh, wrap up. Naomi Sanders asks uh, what Disney film would you consider to be the most metal probably Aristocats no uh, <laughs> uh, are we including Pixar now because it's part of Disney mm, or does it have to be a Disney classic well you can oh you should take this What's well, it's it? obviously going to be Finding Nemo. I knew you were going to say Why that. Is that metal? I knew you were going to say that. That's Why is it metal? Because sea creatures are metal. Look, no, like, nah, bollocks. Look, let's for, look at the for un- unaware no. listeners. Eleanor is obsessed with sea creatures. It's something I'm sure will come. Clownfish. Up. Let's look at getting the, lost in the ocean. Let's look at the evidence. It's the least okay? metal thing. It's so colourful and vibrant, and it's too gentle. No, it's not. It's brutal. There's a lot of brutal storylines in there. He's without a parent. Happened, he... That happened in Bambi, and you saw it happen. Much more metal. And Lion King. And there's lots of peril as they go through <laughs> the ocean. Oh, not peril! Oh, there is. And if you look at it, look. Metal and sea creatures. Legend of the Seagullman. That's a band out at the yeah, moment. we'll be talking about them soon. Mastodon actually. have written about Captain Ahab. Brilliant. Pinocchio <laughs> also has a whale in it. Gajira. Gajira sure. and their whales. Okay, but that's not a fluffy little lovely clownfish. I'm just saying, metal and sea creatures. Are, I think, I'm not having this. No, I'm not, I'm not having this. this. No way. No, the Little good. Mermaid, surely then, is more metal. That's yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Ursula's well metal. Yeah. She's, yeah. Ursula's well metal. I, the first thing I She's thought metal. was um, Sleeping Beauty, because that's what Maleficent is in, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so I think I that, because it, Maleficent though. is just metal queen to me. Little Mermaid and Ursula. Uh, yeah, I'm going Little Mermaid. And yeah, I don't know if Little Mermaid either. Though. Really it's singing, singing Jamaican crab. I forgot. Just... I forgot about the crab. What do you mean? Yeah. Forgo- I forgot. About it's, about called, the best bit. it's called Sebastian. Oh, it's you guys need to know, go back and watch your fucking Disney movies, mate. And to be fair, in the original story of Little Mermaid, it's way more brutal and metal. Like when she becomes a human, her le- it's all about her legs splitting out of the fins, and it's really, really horrible. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't make the Disney. Company. No, it didn't make it. But the original, the original story. Hang on, maybe we should mention up, even though. Pixar because Why he just, is that? that's not metal because you cry at the first 10 minutes crying's not metal 
Um, Up whatever one Maleficent sings, on the, the, the one, the one that Angelina Jolie played, whatever one, whatever cartoon she's in originally, that's metal because she's badass. Uh, I'm sure there's some other options. Fucking, if we missed them, tell us about Beauty them on the, the on the Hammer Facebook. He's metal. Yeah, he beats his metal. Anyway, we've got to wrap this shit up. Uh, we're all going to see Marmosets tonight, so we'll hear all about that next week. I have no doubt it's going to be awesome. The album's great. We're all yeah. very excited about it, so it's going to be very good. Do not forget as well that the Metal Hammer Tour featuring Trivium, Code Orange, Power Trip, and Venom Prison is rolling through the UK in April, finishing up at Brixton Academy. It's going to be the tour of the year, without a shadow of a doubt. Tickets still on sale now, so get all over that. In the meantime, have a wonderful week and weekend, and we will see you all next week. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. See ya.